Hey everybody, welcome to the R3 Podcast. This is episode 12. I'm going to cut right to the chase in this one. I was out of town this last week at a very sort of snooty, medical, science cancer conference. So, you know, I'm a fairly important guy, fairly busy. I didn't really have a whole lot of time to work on this particular episode, at least not to the standards, which I know that both myself and you have grown accustomed. So, what I'm going to do is, uh, in a previous episode, I had, pl- I had rebroadcast a couple episodes of my previous podcast, Guys with Cancer. And before you groan and say, ugh, another rerun. Um, it's, I don't know, I think it's a pretty good episode. This was episode three of Guys with Cancer. Uh, it was uh, called something to do with like miracle cures or cancer cures or something like that. I don't remember. Actually, I could probably look it up, but I'm too lazy. Yeah, so uh, this was not necessarily like ragging on alternative treatments. Well, maybe a little bit, but you know, to each their own. If you want to use coffee enemas and other things like that, more power to you. Anything that makes you feel better and feels like you have a sense of control is great. But anyway, this is really more about the sorts of things that people, that cancer folks call muggles behind the backs of them. It's basically everybody else who doesn't have cancer, just so you know the truth. So I think there's I think there's value in hearing this particular episode just because you'll know if and when you encounter someone with cancer in your life, you'll know maybe a little bit better what not to broach. It's a very personal decision to pick any sort of uh, treatment protocol. So just know that we've done way more research and thinking about this than you can possibly imagine. Anyway, enough of me yapping. Let's get to the episode. I think it's kind of a fun one, good one. Hopefully you'll agree and uh, figure out what I'm going to do for next week here shortly. But you can guarantee that it's going to be something Completely, completely different. different. As always, I am the older and wiser and much better looking host, Rudy. And that is my true. Yeah. Younger, younger and more superior looking yeah. <laughs> uh, co-host, Jeff. I hear that you have cancer. I think I have cancer too. And that's what we're doing hosting this thing. Is, that, is there any truth to that rumor? It's a nasty rumor. Well, that, that's what they've been telling me for several years now. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would like to think it wasn't true, but, but I have heard the same about you. You know what? Uh, it's a good thing. I've been reading up, and I have a lot of friends that have been talking to me about cures for cancer. Oh, um, So I thought that might useful. be an in- interesting topic for us to discuss today. Some of the, We might learn something from this, uh, or share what we've learned so far anyway. So. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you're bringing this up because oncologists and other people who spend their career studying these things probably don't really know much about curing cancer or treating it. So some of these other sources that you've come across, I'm sure, are much more in the know about ways to, uh, to effectively combat cancer. So so let, let's, let's discuss it and maybe we'll, we'll learn something of vital importance. Well, the first cure I'm, I'm a little unsure of, but maybe you can give me your two cents on what you think. I, I've heard that drinking bleach can help you with. Is that is there any truth to that that rumor? It seems kind of crazy. Yeah, I I I I have to admit I have not personally tried it. 
I, I don't find the smell of it to be particularly appetizing. And I am a little bit concerned about it burning out my esophagus. <laughs> so I, I, I don't, I, that, it might, I do think, though, Rudy, in all fairness to proponents of this cancer cure, that it might very well cure the cancer. Unfortunately, the collateral damage, by which I really mean one's well, untimely no, demise, no, might, 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 be, might be not worth the solution. But Isn't that what they say, though, about cancer treatment, is that they're trying to get you as close to death as possible, but still have you survive to get the cancer? Actually, the FDA recently put out a warning because there are so many people who are talking about bleach as being a cancer cure. I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure that it's not good for you. And as you said, it probably does burn out your insides, although they will be free of a lot of germs. They'll, they'll, be, the, they'll be the cleanest looking they've ever been. If I'd only known that, I would have invested heavily in Clorox. What we're both kind of getting at is that these are the sorts of things that guys like us who have cancer hear from well-meaning people, whether it's people trying to sell us something, family members who just care about us, random people that you just see making comments on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook, or other social media. It's from well-intentioned places. Most of the cures you actually, miracle cures that you hear about are more of a natural variety, but just because I think bleach seems obviously really bad for for you. But oh, maybe the idea of drinking celery juice every day, it, it's, it doesn't seem like it's bad for you. Maybe it helps. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know, but is it a magical cure? I don't necessarily have a problem with celery juice, so to speak, but you did raise an interesting point because kind of the number one sort of thing that you hear about is people talking about marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, I have, can I, I just have to say something about marijuana because I'm not, I'm not a big drug user. But when, when I was told by my oncologist that I was going to have to begin chemo, I was trying to find some some silver lining in all of this. And, and I, like I said, I was never like a big pot smoker or anything, but will I still be able to run for president after admitting all of this? Well, anyway, mm-hmm. um, I think that's, that's it was, okay yeah. that. You know, Obama, I think he said something about how you had oh. done cocaine and, and smoke pot. Oh, so I okay, think that okay, door has yeah. been open. Okay, so okay, okay. here so, goes, uh, thanks, Obama. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, anyway. <laughs> Made it okay. So, 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 so I asked my oncologist in a desperate attempt to find some positive aspect to you know, the upcoming chemo. I said, well, will I at least be able to smoke pot as a means to address the nausea and the other side effects from the chemo. And much to my dismay, I was told that I would not because I don't know exactly why, but something about particulates that one would inhale and stuff. And given my type of cancer, if it got to the point where conventional uh, anti-nausea medicine wasn't working, then she would prescribe some kind of medical marijuana potentially, but it would just be like in pill form. That's not to say that there aren't some benefits. I do know some people who are big into CBD and using other sorts of medicinal marijuanas to ease some of the side effects such as nausea, anxiety, right. insomnia. But like I know it was kind of the same thing with me. It's actually, I was told specifically to stay away from any sort of cannabis-based product simply because it counteracts with one of the medicines I'm on because that's an issue. It's actually, there's certain types of medicines that doesn't mesh well. Just kind of where I get a little irritated 
is when people start talking about how it's a cure for all types of cancers when it is definitely not. I know that there's been cancer treatment drugs that have actually been uh, based from cannabis. They've been able to harness the cabinoids, I think it's pronounced, that's how it's pronounced, uh, actually, that actually helps certain types of cancers. I forget if it's prostate or pancreatic. Um, people are interested, you could probably Google that and find out or check your inbox at whatever your social media of choice <laughs> and, and talk to whoever is trying to hawk whatever, where they are. But all the, all the research I've seen shows that basically before you see any real sort of therapeutic benefit to using medicinal mar- marijuana is basically the equivalent of smoking like a thousand dubs, which it seems like if you, if you did that, you probably wouldn't care if you had cancer. The other thing too is I know there was some develop, some hope for a new drug that was being developed that was based off of cannabis, but it was one of the big roadblocks was that they needed to essentially, instead of a thousand dubs, you would need the equivalent of an entire field of plants and you'd have to harness that just to get it because it's literally less than than 1% of the marijuana plant is actually useful for anything medically. That seems wasteful. Segways nicely in another thing. I think most people don't realize because a lot of some of the other cures we're talking about are all natural-based, quote-unquote natural-based. But what most people don't realize is that most chemo drugs actually are all based in sort of organic and natural things. They've just been boiled and processed and all sorts of things. But if you look at Rick Simpson oil, which is the strong form of medicinal marijuana, it gets treated the same way and to be turned into something that is allegedly therapeutic, even though it's usually some guy who's doing it in his garage making it. So I don't know. Who do you trust? I can understand being paranoid about big big corporations, but do you trust the big corporation with lots of scientists or Bob down the street who has a bunch of weird metal cookers in his garage and is throwing these crazy looking plants in it? Well, I understand people have a lot of good reasons for being distrustful of big corporations and big pharma in particular and things like that, but I do think we don't live in a perfect world, but I do think at least those businesses are somewhat regulated and there's some degree of oversight about what they're doing. And I do think that most doctors and and researchers, I'm not saying that they don't have a monetary incentive because it's their job, so obviously they do, but, but I do think that they are motivated largely by a desire to help people. What, what concerns me about neighbor Bob, for example, is not not only does neighbor Bob not likely have the requisite level of knowledge and scientific experience to produce something that is helpful, but it's hard to know what kind of motivations they have. I mean, I'm sure you see this too, Rudy. On social media, people often hawking these products, which is clearly, there's no evidence to support that they work. And it well, real- I mean, I think to be fair, I think, I think a lot of these people are coming from a place, a good place. They mean well, but I think anytime somebody starts saying something cures everything, you got to be a little suspicious just because 
as I said before, cancer is not one disease. It's a collection of diseases, and they're all different. They all have different uh, science behind how they grow in your bodies and how they kill you, for lack of a better word, and impact you. And so they need to be treated in different ways. So if anybody says that one thing works for all of it, be suspicious. It's probably, I don't, may not necessarily well, hurt I, you, but right. it may not help you. That's fair. But I, I also do think that people being people, that there are unfortunately members of our society who have no compunction about preying on the most vulnerable and desperate of people, which unfortunately those suffering from cancer often are. And, in, and even if even if these people who are promoting these miracle cures or whatever may think they're doing a good thing, that they are really taking advantage, whether doing so maliciously or not, I don't know, but of people's desperation. I mean, cancer is just so incredibly terrifying, and, and especially, I mean, I think you and I are both fortunate to be at points in our journeys with cancer where there are treatments, and hopefully they'll be successful, and hopefully they'll give us some good quality of life and a decent amount <laughs> of that life. But but I see all the time. As well, I got you something for you to help you out. How about some uh, lemons and lemon juice? Yeah, well, no, now, now that, that on the other hand. No, but, but I just want to say, I mean, I think that, but, the, but I see all the time, as I'm sure you do, people who basically nothing is working for them. And not I, even I, not even pepper and water, pepper pepper water. Well, now I ha- I can't say for a certainty that they've tried pepper water. Now I do actually like to put a slice of lemon in my water every day, although I know a lot of like nutritionists think that that's a bad idea. But it's probably rough on your teeth. It's probably not helpful. But I do enjoy the taste of just a little bit of citrus, and you know, and I just think that you can never be too complacent about scurvy. So, I, you know. Isn't that oranges? Which leads us to vitamins. Yeah, oranges. Actually, oranges. You think oranges are probably good for killing cancer? I think oranges are good for, for people. Oranges can't even cure a common cold. How are they going to fight something, you know, infinitely more powerful like cancer? Maybe if you ate a ton of oranges, like literally a ton of oranges every sitting three times a day, that that would work. Or if I could give you a pill that's been distilled and intensified, it's essentially the same thing, I guess, supplements. Maybe that would help. Is there any evidence behind oranges and vitamin C and all that? What do you know about that? Very little. But, I, what, but what I do seem to recall is that everything basically in, in moderation, right? And so if you start taking mega doses of even something that is generally healthy, like vitamin C, I think it becomes toxic to you after a while. So now granted, well, granted chemotherapy is not, toxic, but you know, <laughs> that at least is somewhat controlled, but hopefully. Not to tip, tip my hat too much, but being roughly 300 days older than you, I am infinitely wiser than you. And I happen That's to be true. an expert, yeah. an expert in, in a guy named Linus Pauling, who is a famous scientist. He's actually a Nobel Peace Prize and Science Prize winner. Very unique because he, he actually was originally worked in the Manhattan Project and quit because he thought that nuclear weapons were morally wrong. 
among other things. But um, his whole big thing really that he worked on for the bulk of his life was vitamin C being sort of a magic cure for everything. And as much as I want to believe, because I'm a huge Linus Pauling fan, most of his work has been largely dismissed, at least in that regard, towards vitamin C. It's not, as you said, actually in large doses, it doesn't actually enhance the, the curative powers of it, sort of the boost that vitamin C might might give you. So a moment for sorrow for Linus Pauling and his life's work. It's wow. Sad. I should have stuck with the bomb. We know that works. <laughs> and what about vitamin B? I know people are often talking about the B vitamins. I know personally I was told not to take it because, again, my particular cancer treatment actually counter B vitamins counteract well, I can have it in food. Supplements were too strong, so I was actually told not to take like a B complex. But I know people are think that there might be or believe that there might be something behind B6 and B12. I know B12 is used a lot for energy, but pretty much people who go through any sort of cancer treatment know what the fatigue is like. And so energy is not a bad thing, but does that necessarily mean just because it fixes the energy, does it fix the cancer? Thoughts, Jeff? I'm going to say no. You don't think so? No. Why not? But, well, I, you don't want to believe. See now, I, I, I have to, I have to offer the following disclaimer, which is that I'm a fairly conventional type of thinker, and I don't think that makes me particularly unwise. Although, as you've stated, not as wise as you. But when I was first diagnosed with leukemia. I saw several oncologists, and I, I remember quite clearly one of them saying to me that he didn't believe, and, and he was at the time pretty much the foremost expert on the type of leukemia that I've been unfortunate enough to be stuck with. And he said, you're going to hear a lot about different potential cures or remedies, but he said, there's no evidence to suggest that any of them work. He said, the only thing I would tell you is he said... What about what about it, wait, apple cider it, vinegar? It, no. He said, the only thing I'm going to tell you that you can try, he said, is green tea. It, but he went on to say, and the only reason I would even say that is because there's no evidence that it does anything harmful to you. But not. But again, there was no evidence that it did anything helpful. What about turmeric? Is turmeric a cure for cancer? Well, first of all, turmeric. Have you ever gotten turmeric on you? I mean, it just stains. It's it's like it's like dealing with beets. I mean, it's just a mess. I I, I don't. I really, like beets. Well, I like them too, my, but they my, but they make a my, mess. My wife doesn't. My wife oh. hates beets, but it's a big I, I source think, of conflict in our relationship. Yeah, well, I think beets are somewhat of a polarizing vegetable. Um, yeah. But I think it's. I think it's um, but yeah, I get you're saying. I mean, turmeric. I know people like it for a lot of things. It's sort of like ginger. It's sort of. It goes back to what your oncologist was saying about green tea. I think it doesn't really hurt you too much. Although, in my particular case, I was told not to have excess turmeric because, again, it conflicted with yeah. one of my medicines. So. I, I do believe my oncologist, especially when it comes to things like that. I'm going to trust them more than. Bob, who's hooking up something funky in his garage down the street. Well, see what you said. I mean, excess turmeric. I mean, that that seems like a pretty low bar. More than like a half a teaspoon might might be excess, if you ask me. It's not that I mind the way it tastes, but I mean, 
turmeric. It's so hard to pronounce too. It's not. It doesn't have. I mean, it's not spelled properly. It's it's crazy. I mean, it's like an extra. It's like yeah. a silent R. I, I don't. I don't understand it. Silent R's. Yeah, they should be outlawed. I think we should be. People should be forced to spell things the way they sound. Yeah, I, I I agree. I actually tried the green tea thing for a while when I was first diagnosed, I would drink a fair amount of super antioxidant green tea because just regular antioxidant green tea I didn't think would, would, would do it. And initially, my lab results when I would go were good. So I thought, well, maybe there's something to this. And so I kept drinking. Whereas it with me, antioxidant stuff is actually bad, oddly enough, which just kind of goes back to the fact that cancer is not a one thing fits all sort of thing. No, I mean, it's because of the no. drug I was on, I actually needed to avoid antioxidants and B vitamins because it counteracted uh, with it. So whereas you actually saw some help to a certain degree, it would not help me because I don't have a blood count issue. Yeah. Well, so. don't, don't be jealous because it, it was just an ephemeral re- reaction because I kept drinking the tea and nonetheless, after not much longer, my white cell count started shooting up like like a rocket. So, and I wasn't drinking any less tea. I wished it had worked, but it didn't. And I, I can't, I can't say that I'm, I was surprised, unfortunately. Well, at least you had some nice cups of tea. Hopefully you used lots of honey. I did, enjoy it. I did yeah. I enjoyed it. Well, and I used raw mm-hmm. honey because they say that that's better for fighting infections. Speaking yeah. of honey, what are your thoughts on say the keto diet or paleo diets or special diets fighting cancer. What are your thoughts? Again, I, I'm a believer in everything in moderation. I, I don't really subscribe to the paleo diet because as I understand it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong once again, but... You're wrong. Yeah, but it's a diet based on paleolithic humans. And as, as far as I know, paleolithic humans were lucky if they made it to 25. So there's really no... Valid point, valid point. Yeah, there's really no analog for somebody as old as me, much less you, to say what kind of ramifications a diet like that would have. Plus, I mean, I just don't know where you get fresh mastodon these days. But have you ever had mastodon? Delicious. Yeah. Yeah, well, only only the frozen <laughs> kind, but they sell that at Whole Foods, I think. It's very expensive. Yeah. I think all these things are just, I, I think that just like people who struggle with cancer, people who struggle with other health issues, including issues with their, their weight, which a lot of which is probably more socially constructed than physically real, but leaving that aside, people become frustrated, understandably, and desperate, and so they'll try just about anything. Yeah, I, really you talk a little about pit, pit, pit. I can talk a little bit about the keto diet. It's kind of where I was going anyway. The idea behind keto diet is basically you are reducing sugar, and it's a high-protein, high-fat sort of thing. I probably have that wrong. I know the big thing is sugar supposedly feeds cancer cells, which is true to a certain extent, but there hasn't been a ton of research, but the, there's been kind of enough research out there to kind of show that the keto diet isn't necessarily the best way to go. And in fact, in some cases, actually can make some cancers actually worse because cancer cells, if they want sugar, they're going to find it, get it from your muscles. They're going to get it from other hormones in your body and convert it. 
to sugar. There's a lot of types of cancers where um, keto, keto has been shown to be inconclusive. It's not good for you or bad for you. So if you want to eat that particular diet, that's your own personal preference for whatever. But in terms of fixing your cancer, it's not going to help. In terms of preventing cancer, which is usually how it's, it's phrased, I mean, we already have cancer. So I don't know that the keto diet would do much for either, even if there was a lot of, if there was something to it. That ship there's not really a whole. Yeah, we already have cancer. It seems to be people focus a lot more on sort of the preventative, which is great. But for somebody like me who already has cancer and somebody like you who already has cancer, and so why can't I just already have cancer? Why can't I eat the food I want to eat? That that reminds me of a chemo drug called carboplatin, which I believe actually is derived from titanium or platinum. I can't remember which of the – one of those very expensive metals – so basically turning your blood into a very valuable metal off tangent, but I don't know, would be eating silver bullets with that with that cure cancer, eating titanium bullets or platinum, whatever carboplatin is. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe it that's might, a like more efficient way. Chew them. I don't know. Thanks for listening. New episodes of the R3 podcast most Sundays. See the episode description for notes and where to find more online.